Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. And alongside me from the Everything F1 team today, we do have Sophia. Hi, Sophia. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And you? Yes, I'm very good. Thank you very much. I've had a very, very busy weekend, so I've got a bit of a croaky voice because I've been to Drayton Manor, the theme park, and I was obviously screaming my lungs out uh, while on the rides. So yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. How about you? Anything fun this week? No, I'm I'm enjoying this break a little bit. I can have my lions, and that's probably <laughs> the best thing at the moment uh, on my schedule for the last week or so. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, I'm obviously catching up after your parents were here the, the other week. And also alongside us on the Everything F1 team, we've got Sean. Hi, Sean. How are you? I am very well. Good evening. How is everybody? I think everyone's good. Good stuff. We have a guest with us this week, which is uh, always a pleasure to have and to speak to someone new and a new voice for our listeners. And that's Harry Benjamin. Hi, Harry. How are you? Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on the show. Pleasure to be here. I'm doing all right. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm also enjoying uh, the summer break a little bit, a week to uh, to switch off, which has been nice. Mm. Have you managed to do anything on that week off or have you got a girlfriend getting you to put shelves up or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. I, uh, I escaped up to Edinburgh nice. for the for a few days because uh, I love going there for the Fringe Festival uh, that happens every year. Yeah. So I escaped up there for a few days, which was nice to go and see some uh, some shows and just I love Edinburgh. So I'd, I'd mm. move there if it wasn't so far away from everything in the UK. <laughs> but, uh, and apart from that, it's just because it's so... You know, every you know, you as you all know, you know, you, your weekends get absolutely absorbed uh, when you work across motorsport, and uh, to actually have a Friday night and a Saturday night free where you can either you know not do anything at all or go and see friends and family or just you know generally be a bit more sociable. Mm. Uh, it's quite nice. I've just been doing that and trying to catch up on a bit of sleep. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. It sounds like heaven. <laughs> well, we're here this week. Obviously, it's the summer break, so we haven't got a race to talk about as such. But what we can do is kind of rank our top 10 drivers of the season. So that's what, what I thought we would do today. Now, they may be different to each other. They may be the same, but that would be the interesting thing to see who and how people are rating the drivers on the grid uh, so far this year. So I, I, hopefully that will be entertaining for you all to hear. First of all, obviously, we are the Everything F1 podcast. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. 
uh, all over the place. Um, we are also found on all of your podcast streaming services. So we'd love you to hit the subscribe button, hit the follow, hit the bell, whatever it is on that certain service, and make sure you get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. We are also found on our website, www.everythingf1.com, where we update it daily with news articles and bits of fun and trivia that you might enjoy reading. So on with the show. Uh, let's try and start from number 10. I'm going to say, I'm going to put Alex Albon in at number 10 personally. And would you agree with me or have you got a different idea? Let's let's go to let's go to our guest first, Harry Benjamin. I know it's really difficult. We probably should have had a piece of paper and written our list out uh, beforehand. But who would you say would be in at 10? Well, I, I was I was thinking Alex Albon as well, actually, because, you know, when you look at the standings, you know, oh, who, what's your top 10? Well, surely it should be the top 10. Uh, as it is in the standings. But, but of course, we know that doesn't always tell the full story. Uh, mm. I mean, Alex Albon's done exceptionally well on that, Williams. I think he's done exactly what he needs to do. It's a good shout for 10th. Uh, yeah. Uh, do, or would you want me to say who I would pick or, or are we leaving? Yeah. That or, no, abs- absolutely. Yeah. Tell us who you would pick for number 10. Oh, it's really difficult. But. I'm going to go, maybe I, I'm going to go for Zhou Guan Yu because wow, I think okay. his results do not showcase actually how quick and rapid he has been. That Alfa Romeo, especially his Alfa, has had so many reliability issues that have been beyond mm. his control. And actually, he should he should be on par. He should be on the fringes of the top 10 in the championship anyway. Yeah. And the fact he's out-qualified Valtteri Bottas several times in a row. Bottas, who is, you know, Mr. Q3, really, mm. uh, I think goes to show just how good Joe Guan Yu is. And also what, what, what emphasises that is the fact that everyone dismissed him as a, you know, one of the other, you know, another pay driver coming into Formula 1. Blah, blah, blah. But I think he's earned his place and he would be my number 10, Joe Guan Yu. Okay, good, good. Uh, Sophia, do you agree with Harry or do you agree with me? Um, to be fair, both of them were quite on the fence for me because both of them are deserving for good reasons. I, to be fair, I feel like Joe is probably, I would say, number 10. Um, given okay. as well, adding on to it, had it not been for his engine problems, he probably would be very close to Bottas in regards to points. The fact that he's had three to four DNFs, that's not his fault, not by crashes. It's purely engine faults. He should be like at at least 60 plus points. So very close to how Bottas is because most of the time when he's been racing, he's been ahead of Bottas and then he's had the engine problem and then Bottas kind of gets the extra points for it. But yeah, Mm. no, I, I agree. And especially the fact that his contract's not been extended at the moment, it's still in discussions. That's surprising given how well he is doing, given all the external problems that he is having um, with the engines. But yeah, no, he's my number 10 for sure. Okay. All very valid points. Uh, I do kind of see exactly where you're coming from. He probably would have been my 11th, but I'm I'm going to kind of agree with a lot of your points there. Um, Sean, who are you going for? Uh, I disagree with all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Have you done a list while we've been, you've been waiting? Uh, I have done a list. Yeah, that's the waiting. benefit yes. of being last, you see. You have yes. the opportunity so, to give it. While I'm talking out the rest of you, think of your top nine. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and I'll give you a hint of someone to put on the list. My number 10 is Kevin Magnuson. He was going to be further <clears> up my list, I've got to be honest. I've rated a few other people a little bit higher because while he had a phenomenal start to the season, we see like first race back, what, a week after he got the job back, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, straight in fifth in a Haas that had been, you know, last of the last, last season. Kind of came out of nowhere, back in the game, showing up his young pretender of a teammate, despite his name. Had a bit of bad luck through the mid, kind of the mid part of the first half of the season. Results weren't great, but he does have, what, five points finishes? He's 11th of the championship. I think that's a solid return. I think if you'd have told Gunter Steiner he'd have a driver, like smack bang middle of the table at the halfway point of the season last year, he'd have bit your hand off for it. Mm. So I, Kevin Magnuson's my, my number 10 of the season so far. And I hope to see a bit more from him in the second half. Okay. I just want to justify, obviously, Albon. I think Albon's had a really good year this year. Obviously, he's extended his contract with the Williams. So I do think he's doing exactly what he needs to do. He's obviously not at the level of George Russell when he was in the Williams, but he's certainly kind of showcasing his talent. And obviously against Latifi, who is the established Williams driver, clearly he's he's doing a much better job. And, uh, I, you know, I, that's why Albon appears in my top 10. Only just... Uh, in at number 10. Okay, on to number nine then. I'm going to go in reverse order because Sean has got his list already planned. So, Sean, who is your number nine? My number nine is Esteban Ocon. Okay. Who I think is another driver having a very, very strong season. I think a lot of people write him off. I think a lot of Max Verstappen fans write him off because they can't quite get over uh, Brazil, you know, however long ago that was. <laughs> I have always rated Esteban Ocon very highly. I think he's having a very good season in a car that is getting better. Yeah. And most importantly, he is two places ahead of his double world champion teammate in the standings. He's scored points far more consistently. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten points finishes. He's having a very, very good year. Mm. So I, I think Ocon's having a great year. He's He's really kind of putting the fight to Alonso, which I don't think a lot of people thought he would do. And he's uh, 58 points. He's actually catching up on Lando Norris if McLaren don't get their act together soon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, and I think he's only going to get better as the, as the season goes on. He's had three points finishes in a row now. You know, with the exception of a retirement, he could have had six points finishes in a row. So he's having mm-hmm. a very, very strong season. Okay, Sophia, same question to you. I'm torn like i'm literally writing my list right now and i'm looking back at my previous notes from a different uh discussion Mm. to be fair i think sebastian vettel okay all right given how aston martin's been kind he's been scoring points mind you maybe one only one and two points he's Mm -hmm. had one race where he scored five six points i believe but he's like it's consistent to an extent when it's not his fault. And right. he's he's very up in the top 13, top 12 normally in some of the races. So he is getting the points that's needed for Aston Martin. And it's been slow, but I, I quite enjoy how his racing's been. Obviously, he has made some stupid mistakes, like in Miami with um, Mick. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say Vettel is my number nine. Mm, okay, I, that's interesting for me. I... I, I don't think Sebastian Vettel appears in my top 10. Uh, He's so, not in mine. <laughs> so it, 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 could it be controversial? Let's let's go to oh. Harry and, and find out. What do you reckon? It's really hard, isn't it? I've now done a top 10, but it, it's so... Uh, because, you like, you know, everyone, it, it's all done on relative performance to the machinery, isn't it? But yeah. I, I agree uh, I agree with Sean, actually. Ocon is my, is my number nine. Because you can't ignore those performances. I mean, only three times has he not scored. Um, and one of those being uh, a retirement. He, and he had to outpace Fernando Alonso. 
Um, I think he's been a bit under the radar this year. I think he's a bit underrated as a driver, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, solid, solid eighth in the championship right now. And, and you know, uh, I think he's gotten the maximum out of that um, of that Alpine at the moment. And, and ninth seems like <clears throat> a decent place to put him. He's been a good, good driver. In fact, he's annoying his teammates, I think, is mm-hmm. one of the things. He's not moving well, it over. It doesn't as... matter now, does it? <laughs> annoyed him so much, he's going to another team. But yeah, certainly certainly driving well. Uh, again, I was going to put him a tiny bit higher, actually, because I'm going to go for my ninth was Magnussen, actually. So uh, for all the reasons that, that Sean mentioned before, coming in from a season out of the car and he, he hit the ground running performed well obviously a few lackluster performance uh, later on in the season but uh, that car was doing well and he was able to drive it well at, at the earlier part of the season which is why he he kind of sneaks in my top 10 okay number eight then you've got a list now we'll, we'll go back to harry again really hard eight seventh and sixth. i think are really hard to mm, there it's close isn't it in particular i've gone for bottas uh okay. as, my, as my number eight i think he he's driven the wheels off of that alpha He's also been hindered by reliability, but not as much as uh, his teammate Joe. But he's mm-hmm. done exactly what as except as expected and what he should be doing at Alpha. I think he's leading that team, uh, and on on the days where he can score maximum points, I think he's doing that. And we know Bottas. I think we're fine. It's, it's always the way, isn't it? We finally see once he's out of the the, the top team and out of Hamilton's shadow, how mm-hmm. good a driver. You know, we all know how good a driver he is, and and he's he's. Uh, I think he's he's in and around that that spot for me in eighth uh, in my pick. Yeah, and he's been annoying his you know ex team, hasn't he? As well, you know, he's he's certainly <laughs> been staying in front of them and and, and making it difficult for them. Although... The only thing that um, I was thinking about was that it's rare to see so much of an actual mistake from Valtteri, but Miami, where I think he was so focused on what was going on behind with Russell and Hamilton fighting, he just sort of drove off and hit the wall and then yeah. slowed down and they both got him. And I, that, that docked him down a point <laughs> in my mind. So, uh, so yeah, a rare mistake, but a mistake nonetheless. Yeah, that was like a telepathy from Toto. <laughs> Move over for our boys, Valtteri. Uh, Sophia then, go on, your, your number eight. My number eight is actually Kevin Magnussen. I've talked okay. about him so much on these podcasts. I am a big fan of him. The fact, like as Sean said as well, coming back into F1 with pretty much on the dime to come back to a car that wasn't even designed for him as well. He went out with a bang the first race. He's still consistently doing well as, mm. as well. He's getting has where Hash should have been last season. And I'm happy he's staying on for a multi-year. I don't think it's been announced how long the multi-year is. But yeah, no, like I said, he's been probably the one I talk, one of the drivers I talk about the most when I'm on these podcasts, because I am such a big fan of him. Hence why I've not said him in my 10 or 9. Okay. Yeah, Kevin Magnuson, for sure. Okay, now going <laughs> over to Sean. Uh, I'm going to copy Harry on this one. My number eight is Valtteri Bottas, um, who I think is having a really great season. And yes, I know Joe has had a little bit of unreliability, but actually he has four retirements. Bottas has two. So it's not like Joe has been crashing out or retiring from absolutely every single race. Mm. The races that he's finished, he has finished pretty far off Bottas. Um, for whatever reason, mechanical, slowdowns, whatever it might be, even the races that he's doing well, um, and scoring points, he's still behind Bottas. Uh, like the first race, Joe was 10th, which is great. He scored points in his first race, but Bottas was sixth. Uh, I think Valtteri's having a great season, and I am completely going back on what I said in preseason testing, where I thought Alpha would be the worst team this year because 
they had a Formula 2 driver who had done nothing for four years and then bought his way in. And then Bottas, who could never overtake from the midfield ever in the best car in Formula 1 history. And here they both are proving me wrong, which is great. Uh, I think Bottas is having a good season. He's had a little bit of bad luck the past couple of races. The summer was not great to him. But uh, I think, you know, he, he knows how to kind of reset over the, the, the lockdown break and, uh, and come back, I'm sure. He likes Belgium, definitely likes places like Singapore, where we haven't been in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think we'll see a little bit more from, from Bottas in the second half of the season. I'm going to put Alonso in my eighth, uh, it's, it, which is quite low, I think. But as you said earlier, with the whole Ocon situation, he's, he's behind his teammate. So I think he deserves to be behind his teammate in in this top ten for myself, anyway, in my in my selection. Although he's done some great some great driving, he's obviously been caught up in a lot of DRS trains, which he does like to uh, to, to be leading uh, throughout this season. So, but I'm going to pop uh, Alonso for Alpine in at number eight. Okay, back to you, Sean, straight away for your number seven. Uh, my number seven is going to be Lando Norris. Yay! Um, and I may be being a little bit biased here because we all know we're all not so secret <laughs> McLaren fans. Uh, yeah. But the fact of the matter is he is single-handedly carrying that team. He is. There's, there's no two ways about that. He is seventh in the championship. McLaren are fifth. And McLaren have, what, 95 points and 76 of them have come from Lando Norris. Mm-hmm. which is completely unacceptable from Daniel Ricciardo's point of view. No matter what he doesn't like about the car, there's no excuse for him being as bad as he is. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I'm being quite harsh on him there, but the fact of the matter is, you know, he's down behind Magnus. Unless he wins in Monza again, I'll continue to kick the white. Lando, though, he's having a great season. Obviously, he got that podium uh, in Imola, which was fantastic. A little bit fortunate towards the end to get that podium. But again, mm. he was in the right place to capitalize on other people's misfortunes, which Danny was not. Ricardo was 18th in that race. Not great. But uh, no, Lando's, Lando's doing well. Obviously, they probably like to be fighting for podiums more often. But he's only actually not scored points in three races. And in one of them, he retired. Mm. So in all but two races, he's finished, including, well, if you count the sprints, uh, all but four races, he's been three races finished. He scored points, so he's having a very, very good season. All things considered, yeah, car is starting to get better. He's had a sixth and three sevenths in a row, so he's starting to creep back into it again. Second half of the season, hopefully they'll you know bring a few more upgrades. That that engine cover upgrade did actually seem to be a step in the right direction for them. Yeah, so hopefully we might see more benefits out of that in Belgium and especially in in Holland in, in the Netherlands. So. Lando, having a good season. He's uh, he's next on my list for number seven. Fair play. I'm going to pop him higher again because I'm a not-so-secret McLaren fan, so he's going higher in my list. But I'll go to Sophia first for number seven. I feel like my choices are like right after everyone else's. I put Arkan <laughs> as my number seven. He has been the silent driver for Alpine this season. The amount of points that he's been getting mm. and not really put a foot in the wrong place <laughs> I don't think I don't think he's ever had a crash this season or had any kind of issue. I mean, he had a five-second penalty before for something. I think uh, in Monaco he had the five-second penalty for uh, with Hamilton mm. um, coming in close on the turn just before the pit lane. But other than that, I can't think of anything else. He's been one of the most silent drivers, the most consistent getting points for Alpine. Obviously, with Alonso is a different story, but I think Alcon is better than Alonso this season. Um, and again, that might be controversial. Apparently, I'm, I'm probably going to be controversial today because 
I'm going to be missing out on some big names in this ranking for sure. I'm just thinking the two of you are, are, are getting quite into this list without a few big names. I'm interested to see yeah. your top five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be interesting. We'll say that probably. I'll cut in here because I'm going to agree with you at Akane at seventh because I said I, I think he should be ahead of Alonso and he is in my list. He's one step ahead of Alonso. So I'm popping Akane in there for all the reasons we've spoken about before. Harry, you're seventh. Sergio Perez is my Ooh, seventh place Perez. driver. Sergio Perez at the start Ooh. of the season would have been higher up. Sergio Perez in the last few races has been falling down a little bit. Yeah. I think when you look at, you know, the pole in Saudi Arabia, uh, the win in Monaco, the the closeness to Verstappen in qualifying at the start of the year. But in the last three, four races, uh, I just think that... He, the, that gap has has become a little bit worrisome. Mm. To, you know that gap has has been what Albon and Gasly paid the ultimate price for, and I think Perez needs a, a big old reset to, uh, and to come back fighting and and being that support for Verstappen, which is his role, to come back in in Belgium fighting. But I still think it's been a good season for Checo. I still think he's the he's at the moment. I think he's the right driver in that team that that they want to operate as. Uh, but he's my it was a difficult seventh, but he's my seventh place driver. Yeah, makes sense. He's he's probably going to appear soon on my list. Uh, he has been a perfect number two driver for the team in terms of, you know, not causing too much trouble for, for Red Bull in terms of dis- making decisions. Um, there was a, a brief idea earlier in the season where he where he could be fighting for the championship uh, against, you know, he had these kind of grand dreams of fighting in the championship uh, with Max, but that kind of was put paid uh, to that by a few of the calls. Uh, and I think he's kind of, he he understands his place in the team uh, a bit more than, than maybe he thought he was going into the season. How about six then? So we'll go straight back to you, Harry. Who's your six? I've already, t- I've already told mine with, uh, with Ocon. So we're going into the top six now. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, my, I, well, again, a difficult six as well. <laughs> I put Carlos Sainz as much as that pains me to actually put Sainz there because I'm a a bit of a Sainz fan. Mm. Uh, Unfortunately, the unforced errors at the start of the year have docked him down uh, a few. He seems to have got his act together now, but Mm -hmm. and and I've always been impressed by you know a lot of people thought he he or think he should be the number two, but gap to Leclerc in qualifying is still pretty pretty good. Like it's small, he can out qualify him, and he can also be right there with him. Mm. Uh, when you compare that to a Perez versus Verstappen, for incident, for instance, but unfortunately, the uh, the, the the struggles at the start of the year and uh, the inconsistency, perhaps in uh, in his results, have, have put him sixth on my list. Excellent, you're absolutely right. He's had, you know, well, he had his first win, uh, which is great, but the rest of the time, it's it's been a bit hit and miss. And I, I agree with you there. It's that, it's that um, what's pipped him, uh, which I think he does better than Leclerc, is he's not afraid to do something different to what the team tell him, and he's he's strategically minded, uh, which in that team, yeah, you need as much as you get. <laughs> uh, and I, I think Carlos is is actually. I think he's smart. I think he's a smarter racer, and I think mm. that's what, what what his real talent is. Okay, how about you, Sophia? You got a number six. Yeah, so mine's is actually Lando Norris. Um, yeah, his back must be hurting for having to carry <laughs> McLaren this season. I mean, it's crazy how well he's doing, and then comparing it to Daniel Ricciardo and. Obviously, all the situations that's going on with Daniel, the McLaren drama, Piastri, 
IndyCar, all everything that's just circling around, especially during the silly season as well. He's been the more consistent. He's I compare him also to Arcon as well because they're quite similar in the driving that they are carrying a lot with the team's weight. Um, obviously, Norris more because Alonso is doing well for Alpine, whereas Daniel's not doing well for um, <clears throat> McLaren. He's got a few points, obviously in Australia, and a few single points or four points in a few other races this uh, first half. But he's just been good. And again, mm. I don't remember any kind of penalties he's received. I don't remember any kind of crashes he's had. He's just been consistently... He's done the top 10 almost consistently this entire season as well. So, yeah, he's my number six. So, we'll see how my top five goes. It's going to be interesting. And he's my, he's my six as well. Sorry. So, I, with me me and Sophia, I think we're, we might be on uh, for a lot of snaps here by the, by the looks of things, especially with what drivers we've got left. I'm going to mirror everyone else's sentiments about uh, Norris just carrying the team um, and doing a fantastic job in a car that's not necessarily the best or even, you know, really competitive with a lot of the other midfield teams. Last but not least for six is obviously Sean. So this one was kind of the toughest one for me. Um, I flip-flopped between the two of these being sixth and fifth, and I bet you won't guess who my sixth fifth is, but I have gone with Perez at sixth. For, you know, I think he is having quite a good season, all things considered. Um, I do think he came into this season maybe too confident in his position or maybe mm. Red Bull had just sold him the dream and he bought it, which was a bit naive of him. To, let's be perfectly frank. He was never going to be allowed to challenge for the championship this year, I don't think, unless Max literally broke his leg and couldn't race for six months. Mm. Um, I think there's no way Red Bull were going to let him. And let's be honest, the only reason he won in Monaco is because they couldn't physically move him out of the way. <laughs> that that's that's honestly my thoughts on it. Yes, he did well to win in Monaco. You need all the concentration and you know all the the, the skill and pinpoint precision to win in Monaco. So take nothing away from him for that. If you're an F1 driver and you're only going to win a couple of races in your whole career, Monaco is going to be one of the is going to be number one on your list to want to win. He's now won in Bahrain, Sakir, and Baku and Monaco. He's got three wins, and Monaco is surely number one. And if he never wins another race again. He's won the Monaco Grand Prix, so mm. huge credit to that. But other than that, he's not, you know, he's got a few podiums, but, and he had that great pole in Saudi. So again, he's having an okay season, which is why I'm kind of put him sixth. It's not, he's not kind of blowing anything out of the water. I don't think he is very much second fiddle. And I think, as Harry said, kind of, you said as well, Taylor, I think he's kind of accepted his lot in life as number two now. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, and that's a little bit of a shame because, it's kind of a bit like the Bottas situation in Mercedes. He has like a strong-ish start to the season thinking, right, I'm in it this year, I'm in it this year, I'm not the number two, I'm not the number two. And then Red Bull come on the phone and go, yes, you are, get back in your place. And he goes, okay. <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of what happens. Uh, so, you know, I can't knock the results he's had. He's just, I would like, he's, he's in third, but he is further off his teammate than pretty much anyone else in the whole grid. He is nearly 100 points behind Max. It's crazy, isn't it? So that's a big, big, big gulf. Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop him in fifth. So that uh, for all the reasons that you've mentioned, so there's no point in going over it again. But you know, he is a I think he's a strong number two for that team. He's mm-hmm. points that uh, that are required. He's not causing too much trouble for Max, which maybe maybe should drop him down a bit more. But um, you, you know, I they've they've extended his contract because they believe that he's what the team needs for that number two seat. I mean, the fact of the matter is, if they're going to win the, the constructors this year, it is going to be more because their second driver is scoring good points. Yeah. 
um, which is what they didn't always have with Albon and Gasly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what they had with with Ricardo, but they couldn't decide on which with him or you know Vettel or Max was going to be number one, number two. Um, and now they have a solid number two. He might not have bought it at first, but once he's <laughs> accepted that, I am sure he will get a very tasty bank account bonus once they win yes. the constructors. So, you know, if he sets his mind on that, I, I, Ferrari could still maybe win the drivers, but they have, I don't think they have a hope in hell of winning the constructors because he is the perfect number two driver in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. You were nodding your head a lot, Sophia. So let, let's just get it over yeah. with. Are you agreeing with me and putting Perez in at five? Yeah, I, to be fair, I feel like we're gonna have the same top, <laughs> top five. Maybe the same I might just mix it up just order. to uh, just to make it different. You're all you're gonna guess Max Verstappen as my number one. I'm gonna say no, it's Nicholas Latifi. <laughs> <laughs> Go Tifi, you mean? Go Tifi, as, as he's been known as. But Paris number two. Oh, Sophia, sorry, number five. Number two. <laughs> he's a good number two he's a good number two so he is my number five <laughs> okay and we'll go over to harry again uh, i'm putting lando as my number five for uh all, i think all the reasons that have been listed really out driving that mclaren trouncing his teammate proving he can lead the team only guy outside of the top three teams to score a podium i think that says it all absolutely yeah sean yes my number five might be a controversial choice too i'm putting lewis hamilton as number five Oh, I feel okay. like some of you might have put him much higher on the list, but my reasonings for this are he is being walked over by George Russell this year, as I predicted he would be. Is uh, he really knew, though? The last few races, he's, had, he he's had a very, he has had a very strong last couple of races, no doubt about that. Since they've kind of mostly got on top of you know the car trying to kill him, uh, he's got what th- five podiums in a row, three 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 thirds in two seconds. So he's on a great run of form. There's no doubt about that whatsoever, but. He's only eight points behind George at the moment, but he's still behind George at the moment. Um, and it's taken him until the summer to get on that form. He has had a rubbish start to the season after coming out really bravado, really, I'm going to get my eighth this year. My team don't make mistakes. He said all the wrong things at the worst possible time and then hopped in the car and couldn't do anything with it. He couldn't get on top of it. It was a bad start to the season, which has knocked him down for me. He's had a great run of form the last couple of weeks, which is why... I had him at six, and then I put Perez at six, and then I lose at six. But Perez, <laughs> so that's what I said. It was a difficult choice. But uh, those first couple of races, the first kind of half of the season, yes, he got the podium in Bahrain because the Red Bulls vanished. But this season, Mr. Saturday, Mr. Sunday has, has been the king of Mercedes, as I completely predicted that he would be. I said he'd beat Lewis this year. I still think he might only be eight points. I still think he'll beat Lewis this year. And I think George will be the one to win a race this year, not Lewis. Uh, well, I see, I'm going to defend Hamilton here and, and I, I am going to put he's going to go higher on my list because Hamilton was running a lot of experimental setups trying to get that car into the position that it is now. So he was, you know, underperforming. Absolutely was. Um, but was that to do with the setups of the cars that he was doing earlier on in the season? My flip side of that is George Russell didn't need to make any of those setups and he's still scoring two podiums in the last two races. So... Behind his teammate. (laughs) So uh, let's talk about number four then. We'll go over to Harry. What's your number four? My number four is Charles Leclerc. As controversial as that may be. It was a hard one, but when you look at other drivers who are placed higher relative to what they're achieving, Leclerc for me is fourth. Yeah, I mean, he's been let down by the team on multiple occasions. We know that, but 
You know, look at France. That was a pure driver mistake and a biggie at that too. And there's just, I just think Leclerc is not quite, I think he needs to mature a little bit more still in his in his driving to to be on uh sort of Verstappen and actually even maybe even George Russell level really uh, Leclerc I think he's finally got this car that he knows can compete and and he's fumbling a little bit too much be- because of the pressure whether that's driver error or team error or an amalgamation of both you know when you he- hear him come on the team radio you know I know that's maybe not a, a great barometer but. You know, some drivers sound so cool, calm and collected. And, and often at times he can sound a little bit flustered and he's not always the best compared, compared to signs at questioning the team and sort of almost standing up for himself a little bit. So for me, he's uh, he's fourth. Um, but this is, yeah, really difficult. I'm just going to say that after everyone. Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, the other Brit on the grid, I was going to put in at number four. George is in at number four. As uh, Sean was saying, he's been a strong Mercedes driver this year. Obviously, the last few races he's been outperformed by his teammate. The development from Hamilton is what puts Hamilton above George for me. Um, obviously, even though he's only eight points behind. So, Sophia, your four. My four is Lewis, and again, uh, George is literally walking all over him. Obviously, he, he says that he he's... No, because, I mean, if you look <laughs> at, like, would, in the beginning of the season... Where would George have finished in Silverstone if he hadn't been flipped? Yeah. He's still more, because, like, top six, minus, obviously, mm-hmm. Silverstone. Like, he's still that. Lewis is only just getting the points, n- like, now, kind of. Like, he's been more mm-hmm. up and down. Still top ten, but very much up and down. And then with George as well but like Lewis has said that he's taken the B car to take for more data which I understand that's probably the best thing for Mercedes because he's been in the car for so many years he understands it more whereas George has come in new as well coming from a Williams as well that that jump from a Williams to Mercedes probably is quite big so that's why I put Lewis he's done well now but obviously we've seen how it's been first couple races preseason and again it's probably not the it's not his fault it's the car but it's also mm. look at george and how well he did obviously again a a or b car or whatever but even so as a team overall you don't know who has an a and b car you just go by what's been claimed by the drivers george is still progressively have done sorry consistently done more for mercedes than lewis has maybe <laughs> you may be right. I'm sure. I'm sure there are lots of people that do agree with you. Absolutely. Does Sean though? Who's in your number four? Well, I, I, I've changed it. No, I haven't. No, my my number four is Charles Leclerc. Um, and I think we've we've kind of touched on some of the reasons already. You know, he he, he just keeps making too many errors. Mm. Uh, and yes, Ferrari have you know a bunch of toddlers running their strategy division who have never watched Formula One before. <laughs> Um, the, the hards in Hungary, I, I'll never get over that. And I don't think Charles Leclerc will either. But, you know, France, completely Charles's fault. His scream on the radio suggested that maybe the brakes were maybe at fault a little bit. Mm. But even if Ferrari were a hun- even if Ferrari like threw a bomb at his car, Charles would still blame himself. And that's actually another thing I'm knocking down for because I think Harry touched on earlier, you know. Carlos has shown a little bit more this year that he can talk back to the team, especially in Silverstone where they said, give him 10 car lanes. And Carlos is like, no, F off. That's not happening. Mm. You cannot possibly ask me to do that. I'm ignoring you completely. One, I get mauled. And two, I want to win this race. Binotto says jump and and Charles says how high. (laughs) And it's something that, you know. To his detriment as well. 100%. 
hundred percent. If he wants to be a world champion, whether it's this year, it might be, um, or in future, because let's not beat around the bush. I think Charles Leclerc is the most singularly gifted driver on that on that grid mm. by a big margin. And Sebastian Vettel agrees with me on that one. He signed his helmet as such. But the thing I think the likes of Max and Lewis have that Charles does not have yet is their ability to dictate the race to their own specifications. Max mm. and Lewis regularly come on the pit, on the, the radio and say, no, you're wrong. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. And stay out and turn inters into slicks and go and win in Turkey. No way in hell would that have happened to Charles Leclerc at the moment. He needs to kind of get that bit more of aggression and just kind of stand up to Ferrari and say, lads, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. Mm. Until he gets there. For all we know, he might get there in Belgium. He might blow Belgium out the water because, you know, he won his first race there. It's a track he loves. And it's, you know, one that holds a particularly difficult but special place in his heart after Antoine Hubert was lost there. So I hope he comes back strong. He still has time to turn the championship around. For all we know, the Honda engines are going to go pop for the next nine races. Mm. But yeah, Charles is my number four. It's just, it's all going a bit wrong and it's not purely Ferrari's fault because they have built him the best car on the grid. Okay. I am going to say Lewis Hamilton is my third We've been discussing this and I've kind of shared my opinion already. So but so I think you probably know what I'm going to say. I just think obviously he was developing the car. Obviously, those developments have helped the team. Um, he's only eight points behind his teammate, um, as you've quite rightfully addressed earlier. And I think he will end up beating his teammate over the course of the season. And he's certainly gained a lot of points over him over the last few races and consistently been on the podium. So, yeah, that, that's my number three for my countdown. I'll go to Harry. Harry, your third. Uh, snap. Oh. Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd not not much more I can add to that, really. I, th- I think, uh, <laughs> especially uh, on the run of form he's having at the moment, I think uh, Ferrari and Red Bull might be getting slightly worried, particularly if we're going to have the, uh, the the porpoising issues and the, the fixed flaws uh, coming in after the summer. So that yeah. might well prove in Mercedes' favour. Well, it will. So Hamilton and Russell certainly on a, on a mission, but Hamilton third for me. Excellent. And Sophia? My third is Charles. I think he is getting a backbone now because of how many times he's been screwed over by Ferrari strategies. He He's starting to say a bit of it on radio from what we can see, but obviously not enough to be like how Max is, how Lewis is, and even other drivers as well. Because, um, I mean, Kevin's done that a few times, and Gazzy's done it as well on the radio to his um, team saying, be quiet, Lando's done it as well. I think he's realizing how his gap that he had and now the gap that he uh, has lost i think it's a record now coming into this summer break the largest gap between first and second drivers in the world championship standings mm. and it was ferrari's like for the first three three races we thought that it was gonna be ferrari's year we kept yeah. on saying that on the podcast and then it's just completely gone downhill and again not all of it is Charles' fault but i would say probably 70%, 60-70% more than Ferrari strategy, I think. Because again, he, him as a driver should have made those calls when he felt like mm. they weren't wrong. Oh, if they weren't right. He mm. should have had the backbone to do it. And he's starting to do that now. We'll maybe see towards the end of the season. But yeah, I I mean, I don't think he's going to get the world championship. Like statistically as well, he would need to win almost every single race or be on podium with a few fastest laps and also win sprint race as well. Or Max needs to really throw it, or or the or the Red Bull needs to blow up every couple of races. I mean, Max can't have like I think it's four podiums, three podiums, and Shaw like it's something like that to do the numbers. I have to double check, but it's like very 
unrealistic that Charles will win. But it's mm. physically possible, but realistically, definitely not. Everything's got to fall into line for that to happen. Sean, then you're number three. Well, firstly, I don't know if you can hear... I don't know if you can hear my Charles, my cat, meowing in the background because he's a bit pissed off that we've put him so low on the list. (laughs) He's meowing in the background. But George, the other cat, hasn't said a word yet. My number three is Carlos Sainz, who I think is having an absolutely stellar season. Yes, he had a bit of a slow start. Yeah, I really do think that. He had a bit of a slow start, but even some qualifying issues did not stop him from getting two podiums in the first two races. I think he has borne more of the brunt of Ferrari's bad reliability this season. His car literally caught flames in Austria. I think he is getting, he is the unluckiest driver of anyone. He, when he was in McLaren, he used to have very slow starts to the season as well, down purely to just bad luck. Not that we ever saw him on TV. But I think he is having a good season. Again, he is not as far off Charles as you might think at this point in time. He's 22 points off. Which, bearing in mind, Carlos, Charles is the one fighting for the championship. For Ch- Carlos to only be that far off is really impressive. He got his first pole. He got his first victory. He did it by being aggressive to the team and saying, no, don't you dare cost me this victory. I'm going after it. If Charles wants to fight me, he can fight me. And he's, he's been good as well. Like The only time he's been out of the top five is when he retired four times. And even at that, two of them were after sprint races where he was on the podium. So he's having a very good run for one, two, three, four, five, six podiums, not including sprints, seven, eight, if you count sprints. So he's having, a, I think he's having a very, very good season. I think he's doing much better than anyone expected him to. I think any, everyone thought, ah, he's just Ferrari's number two this year. He'll play second fiddle. He knew damn well that, that wasn't going to be the case. And he's shown it this year. And as I kind of mentioned, you know, the gap between Perez and Verstappen is monumental. The gap between everyone else and their teammates is essentially tiny. I mean, in Belgium, he could come within three points of Charles if it doesn't go Charles's way. It's that close. So I think Carlos is having a very, very good season. I've been very, very impressed with him this year. See, I, I, I disagree with you in, in on many points, unfortunately. But this is why sorts of conversations are quite good. Um, I just think well, I'll, I'll say to you that well, Latifi's only three points off his teammate. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I rate Carlos so much and I think he is exceptional driver. It pained me to put him a little bit on sick. I just thought those errors at the start of the year cost him. But I, I do agree with, with a lot of what you said, Sean. Yeah, he doesn't appear in my top 10 purely because of the errors that he did have earlier on in the season. It was like he was choking. He was given what we all have said at the start of the season was the best car of the season. And he was just kind of throwing it up the wall. So I believe he should have been higher because he has got that amazing talent that we have seen previous years. So because of that, he didn't appear because I I feel like he should have been pushing Max and Charles a lot more than he has or was earlier on in the season, you know, when the Ferrari were at least getting it right. Um, So that's why he's not in my top 10, which is controversial. And we've got some Ferrari fans that will probably absolutely slate me for that. So I apologise to the Ferrari fans. So for here, who's your number two? My number two is Max. Oh, now that is a surprise. (laughs) I thought yeah. we were all going to be. I thought we were all going to all going to be singing from the same hymn sheet on number one. That uh, is the most controversial. <laughs> <choice so far. laughs> no, nah, I mean, I don't know. I I was tossing between these two drivers, and I just think, given also comparing to performance from last season as well, how much of a change and how much of a difference my number one has done. Mm. 
mm-hmm. that's why Max is number two. Max has done really well. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, he's winning and he has the biggest lead. But I think also he hasn't put a foot wrong. It's more like, obviously, he knows the car very well. He understands the relationship with his crew and his team and strategy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that. That's probably the main thing. And also, he's a lot calmer as well. He's not taking bigger risks. He's not, like, neck-to-neck going into each race. Like, am I going to be top? Am I going to be second in the championship standings? I, I just think because he has a good, a decent car to begin with, he's been with Red Bull for a while Mm. Also, looking at comparing from how he was from last season to this season, that's why he's my number two. But again, I told you, I said this like when I was saying my top, like my number eight or something like that, or number nine. I'm going to be controversial, and I and I feel like again, you've definitely been controversial there. I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine though. It's fine. It's good to be Harry. Your number two, uh, George. Russell, Uh, you know, he's been uh, exceptional. Uh, He's outperformed Hamilton. He's stepped right up to the plate. He's fitted in smoothly at Mercedes. It's not unsure what he imagined would be uh, when he when he stepped up. I imagine he thought he'd be up there fighting for wins every single time. But he stayed cool, calm and collected. He's collected the podiums when they've been within reach. He's finished in the top five in every single race that he has finished. And arguably that would have been a clean sheet if it weren't for Silverstone. Uh, but we all know what happened there. Yeah. So he's he's P2, mightily impressed. Impressive. And Sean, your number two? My number two is this guy. This is George, by the way, Harry. <laughs> we actually have two this. cats called George and... Who's the other we one? We have Charles? two cats called George and Charles. <laughs> Not Charles. Uh, Charles, yes, not Charles, yeah. Uh, <laughs> named for the drivers. He he was named after 2020 when they were all doing the uh, the esports racing and Alex Albon kept screaming, George! Oh, yeah. Giving out to George Russell about things. He does stupid stuff like that too and we scream at him the same way. Uh, but I had him up because it, George is my number two and I had to take bias out of it a little bit because obviously I would have wanted to put George as number one, but George is my number two for all but the reason that he's not leaving the championship, he's my number two because... Like, again, when I say he's been walking over to Lewis Hamilton this season, I really mean it because he has been in the top five at all but one race this season. And the one race he wasn't, he crashed out through no fault of his own. And he probably would have been in the top five in Silverstone as well. Yes, he started low down, didn't have a great qualifying at the race, but like he had made a great start and was making waves. And had that gap not closed, he'd have been in fifth by the first corner. So uh, his consistency has been spectacular. This is not the first time we have seen a driver come from a minnow backmarker team into a team beside a world champion and walk over him from minute one. Daniel Ricciardo did it to Sebastian Vettel. Charles Leclerc did it to Sebastian Vettel. Max Verstappen did it to everybody. It, it happens all the time. It is so, so common. Lewis Hamilton did it to Fernando Alonso. You come from the back team into the top team. And even if it's not the best car Mercedes have ever built, it is still comfortably the best car George Russell has driven, except for that weekend in Bahrain. But I'm sure this one is still more comfortable because his boots fit this time. <laughs> he has had an absolutely spectacular season. He, for me, is... Charles is still, in my opinion, the most talented, out-and-out talented driver on the grid, but George is a very close second. And when all the cars are equal and all the strategy are equal, if you put all of them in the race of champions, for example, I think the finishing order would be Charles, George, Max, not the other way around, as a lot of people might think. Okay. that is my personal ranking of how good they are and George has been phenomenal this season uh, I cannot wait to see Mercedes I can't believe I'm saying this give him a good car so that Mercedes can win the championship again but with another <laughs> Brit winning it this time 
Well, I'm going to put Leclerc in at number two. He has been screwed over by his team uh, and the car and the reliability of that engine and different things that have gone pop while uh, while in that car. But, you know, I just, I just feel sorry for him, really. He has made a few mistakes himself, but he's my number two uh, for this season so far. He might... You never know. He might change that around uh, for the second part of the season, but we'll we'll find out. So in at number one, then I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go over to Sophia first in at number one because <laughs> I, I feel like yours is completely different to everyone else's. So let's let's get it done. Who who is number one? Alonso. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I fully bought that for a second. <laughs> no. Yeah, um... he screwed over Otmar's after hour. He's number one. <laughs> total chad total chad um (laughs) no my number one is george like i said i was debating between max and george alternating between the two i think given how well george has done this season coming Mm. from williams mercedes how well he's even carried the team outside of driving as well in interviews and conversations i think he's done well given that he's he's been consistent again like we said before had not been for silverstone he probably would have more points than Lewis and probably more podiums potentially as well. And I think the second half of the season is going to really show the gap because I still think George will finish ahead of Lewis. Not by much, but maybe like George will finish P3 and then Lewis P4 at the end of the season. I think that's probably how it's going to be. And it's probably going to be like within a race points difference. It's not going to be a big gap, but he's just done so well. Mr. Consistent. His qualifyings as well have been really great, minus obviously the wet, but he's been really good. And, and again, like we say all the time, Mr. Consistent, like he is a Mr. Saturday. He's also now a Mr. Sunday as well. And I think he's going to stay top fives, top sixes in most of these races through no fault of his own. If there's engine problems or crashes, that's a different story, but he's that's why he's my number one. He's probably been one of the best drivers in this new season for uh, for him. Okay, well, I'm I'm going to start with Harry then uh, for the same one that we're the rest of us are probably going to say uh, unless unless anyone else has got a surprise. But we'll go over to Harry for his number one. No, I don't think so. I think we're all pretty clear that it's uh, Yuki Sonoda. <laughs> what a champion! Actually, you know, I feel bad that I think Yuki's had a great season. I think actually, uh, his a bit like Joe, his results haven't quite uh, well. But actually, both Alfataris are, are, are have not been brilliant. But Yuki's made a proper step up, I think, from last year. But he's not my number one. Uh, it's Max Verstappen, uh, yeah. of course. It is. I think he's uh, driving like a champion. Uh, he knows when to pick his fights and when not to. He overcame the reliability issues, didn't lose his head, particularly Australia, where he conked out, you know, mm-hmm. on on for a second place. And since then, what it's uh, it's a it's a win. If it's not a win, it's a podium. If it's not a podium, it's a second place. If it's not a second place, it's a recovery and a battle with Mick Schumacher to the line in Silverstone. You know, so yeah. you, you can't fault him too much. And he's getting him and Red Bull are just a partnership made in heaven. And they're, they're getting the absolute maximum out of it. And you, if you think they're the baddies, well, you know, they're, they know how to race in Formula One and they're doing they're doing all the things they need to do. Absolutely, they are. And I mirror your sentiments. I believe this year he's driving like a champion. I think he what he's doing is he is putting to bed those the naysayers of last year. Obviously, there was this, you know, this 
random circumstance that happened on the last race. But last year, he was very a very good driver. He was arguably the best driver of the season. Obviously, I know the Hamilton fans will will kind of slate me for that. But he, he had a really good season. And that last race was kind of gifted to him, obviously, which gifted the championship. And I know Hamilton was obviously having the better race and obviously the extending, extenuating circumstances and whatnot. But this year, he's put to bed those kind of talks of oh he you know he's a fake champion he's doesn't deserve it and this that and the other because he's been very very dominant he's, he's actually going into every battle with that level kind of head he hasn't put his car into any kind of risky positions like he has historically been known to do um he's he's just I feel like he's come into the season a lot more mature. And obviously, he's had a few kind of rants on the radio, but nothing like he previously has in previous seasons. So that's why Max uh, this year deserves to be in the number one slot for for me. Uh, and I'm guessing you too, Sean. Yes, absolutely. And I think both of you hit the nail on the head. He's driving like a champion. And for me, it's no secret that I'm not the world's biggest Lewis Hamilton fan. But one thing I could never fault Hamilton for is, you know, his results and the thing that has always astounded me by Lewis Hamilton is his ability to give himself good luck. Mm. That's the thing that he has that other drivers could never match. He's always in the position to get lucky. And that's what Max is doing this year. There's no two ways about it. He's not driving out of his mind. He's not winning by a minute and a half and lapping the whole field like like Sebastian Vettel used to do or like Michael Schumacher used to do. Mm. He's not out-qualifying his teammate by a second and a half every weekend like out in Senna. He is just putting the car where it needs to be and then when Ferrari feck up, which they do regularly enough, mm-hmm. he's there and he wins and he's not putting a foot wrong. And I think it, mature is the right way to go about it. I think, you know, getting that first championship just took all the weight of the world off him. He doesn't really care about stats and figures. We all know Lewis Hamilton wants the eighth because he wants to be seen as the number one undisputed champion of all time. Mm. Max Verstappen doesn't give a damn about any of that. The fact that he's the youngest driver that will ever compete in Formula One doesn't weigh on his mind ever. He doesn't care about stuff like that. And if he if his engine goes pop for the next nine races, he probably he'll be a bit annoyed. But I don't think he'll care that he's lost the championship. He's just so calm. He's he's a that a bit of a, I, a, I, a I dramatic state. But you, you get what I mean, you get what I mean by that. I think yeah. he, he's so calm this year. It's been incredible to watch him. He's he's become a bit more likable. I think the fact that he pissed off Hamilton fans last year maybe added to his calm this year because all of a sudden he's there going, I'm still doing it, lads. I'm still Mm. doing it. I'm going to win it again. My team actually haven't made any mistakes this year. And I think the dynamic between him and Charles, and I'll give Charles credit for this as well, is just less acrimonious than Max and Lewis. I don't know necessarily what it was about Max and Lewis. I think it's that they're both Senna types. A lot of people say, oh, last year was Senna and Prost. It wasn't. I've said this before. Last year was Senna versus Senna. And that was always going to end in a fireball. And the Mm. fact that it didn't end in an actual fireball was a bit of a miracle. This year, and hopefully for the next couple of years, is very much more Senna versus Prost. Leclerc is a Prost. Max is a Senna. And I think the two of them just have a little bit more respect for each other on the track than Max and Lewis did. And I'm not putting blame towards Max or Lewis one over the other last year. They were both involved. This year, I think Max and Charles are both more respectful of each other. And it's led to some fantastic racing. But yeah, Max is, is going to win this championship. And he's probably going to beat Sebastian's re- record of 13 wins in the season. 
Okay, okay. Three of us agreed, uh, and Sophia put George, which is you know consistent with what everyone was saying anyway in terms of where they were ranking. You know, for many similar reasons. Okay, well we've got Harry Benjamin here. I want to have I want to have a discussion with him. I know we've actually gone on for probably quite a long time for that. Uh, I do apologise, but you're obviously following the Formula Three this year, and you're also commentating for BBC on Formula One for Radio Five Live. Is that correct for a few of the races? So, Summarise your your season so far. Pretty mega. Yeah, best year of my life so far. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I I thought it would already. I didn't. Not a lot could top. I was made the lead commentator for F three this year which, at the start of the year, which was very uh, surprising. I had. To, I really not wasn't expecting the call, and to step into Alex Jakes's shoes is is a very daunting prospect mm. so so that was a scary one but i've really enjoyed it i've learned a lot i I'm, I'm very open about this i never planned on being a commentator it was never really in the in the books mm-hmm. i wanted to work in as a broadcaster i wanted to be a pit i wanted to be a pit lane reporter <laughs> but i'm too tall commentary <laughs> <laughs> uh, box it is but uh and i but i've loved it and it's been eye-opening and it's one of the coolest jobs ever and then to get the call up to to cover a couple of the the f1 for for five live at the start of the year as well just after that was was a bit of a sort of is this really happening i remember getting the phone call in my car and just screaming in my car once i put the phone down you know wow. you play you play it cool cool and calm on the phone when they, they go you have an unknown number who's this and they go oh hi it's so and so from the B- from bbc f1 i'm like uh hello <laughs> and then they offer you the gig and then you go oh yeah well i think i'm i think i'm free <laughs> um, and then, and then you hang You'd up. Certainly, free up your diary if you were. Yeah, yeah, let me, you know, talk to my agent. Blah, blah, blah. And then um, hand the phone up, scream in the car, and uh, and then yeah, then and then and then then you got to do the job. Um, so I've done my three F one races now for for the BBC, which was amazing. I did uh, Australia, Silverstone, and Hungary. Um, so all pretty decent races actually this year to to be on board for. And and yeah, and I'm just enjoying the ride. I don't know where it's going. Um, uh, I love working for Formula One management. They they look after me and they teach me lots of things. And uh, we're working on lots of projects uh, for the future. And yeah, so I'm just I'm just enjoying it. You know, I'm, I'm a fan at the end of the day, and it's always mm-hmm. been the goal to, to to get to this position. So I'm very proud of uh, being able to get here. And where did it all start for you then? So you obviously you you're where you are now at such great heights, but it must have started, you know, kind of in your garage like like us really, I guess, uh, back in back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I was uh I was 17 years old at school and I set up a a WordPress blog called I think it's still there. I need to take it down. Uh, <laughs> Motorsport Talks and it was just uh me to blog about I, I watched an F1 race on telly by accident in like 2010 and, and started enjoying it. And then, um, and then, and then wanted to very quickly actually be more than a, than a fan, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I set up this blog and started writing about F1. And then I got in, got interested in DTM and then I found WEC and Formula E was just starting at the time. And, and I thought, oh, I'll try and get in at Formula E. It's brand new. I'm never going to work for F1. Like who gets in there? But Formula E, brand new, you know, maybe I'll get a foot in the door there. Still trying. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. And, and I was just, I was a blogger and then I, and then I sort of, um, I was doing acting at the same time. So I was setting sights on being an actor and, and working in entertainment and, and, and then I, the motorsport kind of took a bit of a backseat and then I went to drama school. It's a bit of a com- convoluted story, but then I got <laughs> in, in radio while, when I went to university and the student radio there and, 
entertainment radio and then i got involved in a podcast and uh created the motormouth podcast with tim sylvie and uh and that was really the kind of beginning of, of getting back into motorsport and and we interview so many amazing names people you've heard of people you haven't heard of but all of them have really awesome stories to tell uh mm. and then i started just sort of creating my own content because it was covid and lockdown and there wasn't a lot else to do yeah we all did a lot during uh lockdown i suppose uh for kind of online stuff that's where that's where we kind of kicked off and got quite a good following so yeah we i, I that's that was a good time to start all all that sort of stuff and um, did you commentate on on things before obviously going to f3 did you and f2 um that you did previous or did you jump and jump in the deep end and go straight into kind of those yeah, sorts of things? I, it, it was all uh all set to be jumping in at the deep end uh, i do remember i i got so I got I pestered Formula One and I got invited to Biggin Hill, which is where the base is, to just shadow for a weekend, which happened to be the Bahrain weekend where Roman Grosjean exploded. Oh wow! Okay, so I was there for a very long time, um, and uh, I think shortly after that, Alex Jakes announced he was leaving, or he was gonna, or he was, or, or something like that. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, there might there might be a, a gap available. I don't know. And uh, so basically, I, I I said I went back and I I ripped uh, an F two race off of I don't know F one TV or something. Like that. Did my own commentary of it from my desk. It nearly exploded my computer. The files <laughs> I could only do like two minutes of it, which was like the first two laps and like the last lap. Um, and it took me forever. I found it so the hardest thing ever to commentate on a race that I'd already watched with a commentator. It was so difficult. And I, <laughs> I, I, I cobbled something together and I just sent it off and I said, look, this is something. Um, didn't hear anything for ages. And then I got a call saying from Formula One, "Are you? F- can you do the Porsche Super Cup for this year, which was 2021? And so that was going to be my first ever thing to commentate. And the first round of that was Monaco and the Porsche Super Cup, for those who don't know, supports Formula One, yeah. uh, eight, eight Grand Prix. And it's a lot of Porsches racing around and uh, it's pretty decent racing. Um, and it's done so for about the last 30 years. It's on Sky and F1 TV and various things. And so it was at the time, that was a big deal for me. And then the week, the week before I was supposed to do that, I got a call saying, could I go to Paul Ricard? Had I done any commentary before? No, but I'm about to do the Porsche Super Cup. So I will be, give me a week and I will be one. But they went, okay, <laughs> fine. are you free this weekend? Can you come and do the international GT Open and Euro Formula Open races in Paul Ricard? Wow. And I went, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I thought this is going to be the hardest thing ever, but I can go to this and I can make all my mistakes and be rubbish. And then the next weekend I can go to Formula One and, and be ah. not so rubbish. And so that that was so technically the Euro Formula and the GT Open, my first race uh, ever, com- my first commentary ever. And then the, immediately the weekend after was Porsche Super Cup Monaco, um, in which there was a 30 minute red flag, bearing in mind the race <laughs> 30 minutes long in itself. Mm. Uh, so that was that was a, a throw in at the deep end and see if you can chat rubbish for, for as long as you need to. Uh, so yeah, that was the, the first sort of, uh foray into commentary but i i I've, I've had a lot of experiences as a podcaster as a radio presenter as yeah. a tv presenter so i knew what about working in in live scenarios but 
actually commentary is a, a very sort of is, is there's a lot of overlap in the skills but you just utilize them in a very different way so that that's something i've sort of been getting up to speed with and how about names like that sort of thing so if it's a, it's a new series are you kind of cramming the, the couple of days before the car numbers and the names and those sorts of things and just literally just heading a book kind of yeah exactly that, exactly that and especially when it's a, a lesser known series you know mm. trying to find information is so much harder f1's the easy one really yeah and gt open was very difficult you know trying to find things out but you do and you, you find things out and and uh, I luckily for that I had a couple of weeks preparation and Porsche Super Cup I had a few months to prepare for that one so yeah. I had a lot of time but most of the time you know when when I did my first Formula 3 race which was covering for Alex Jakes uh, when he was ill or, or when one of the, something happened with COVID or whatever and uh, during Austria 2021 I only had, I had like three days to prepare for that wow. you know and to come in mid-season in F3 with three days notice is like hard <laughs> and then the same thing happened with formula two that year I've done, I've done one formula two race and that was silverstone and I, I was not scheduled to work that weekend and then somebody right. got COVID, and then they were like on the night no i think on the friday night because practice and qualifying had already happened and so someone got covid like, can you come and do the races with rosanna and, and <sighs> i was like yeah sure so i was out having dinner and then i called it early went home and spent about four hours up into the early de- early days trying to get an understanding obviously i watch formula two but then when you have to be the commentator mm-hmm. and just trying to gauge what's happened so far this season and, and you know i wanted to impress it, you know i i just you just you, it's fight or flight really and, and you mm-hmm. you you just do what you got to do and hope you get through it. And uh, we start, I stumbled through that one. I think I did all right. Uh, and yeah, and so it's just a lot, a lot of prep, but it gets easier. The more you do it, the easier the prep becomes, but you know, there's so much, so with social media and the internet, you know, keeping on top of things is it's quite, it's quite a lot of hard work. There's always news breaking. So, you yeah. know, you've got, to, you've got to try and stay on top of it. I realize it's me asking all the questions, but have uh, Sophia, let's go to Sophia. Cause I know Sophia will have some questions uh, and I'm sure Sean will too, but we'll go to Sophia first. Yeah, I mean, talking about this season as well, um, I watch Formula 2, I watch Formula 3, I <clears throat> sit in the press conference, I watch it all, like the practices, the sprint races, everything. What is your take on this season so far in Formula 3? Um, obviously, we have drivers that are potentially going to be in the last season of Formula 3 and potentially not in Formula 2 or just maybe going to other kind of uh disciplines what's your take on it so far um in the driver's standings i think it's been brilliant um formula three is always uh an entertaining watch you know 30 drivers half the field rookies you know that's that's Mm. exciting stuff and these you know these cars can overtake and 30 cars going into turn one is always going to be good (laughs) no matter what you're watching um i think it's uh it's really tight you know the the i don't know how many times this year i think three or four times this year already the top two have been tied on points. And here we are once again. again they are currently. <laughs> yeah, 104 <laughs> for both. Yeah, so, you know, and, and who's at the top now? It's, it's actually Isaac Hadjar. Uh, and uh, he's a rookie. And he's had an absolutely stellar season. And, you know, he, he could well do a, an Oscar Piastri if he wants to, mm. if, he can, if he can do it. Um, I think it's a crucial season. And I've said it all all year long for Victor Martins. He needs to win it to progress. Um, highest returning driver. Uh, he needs to win it. Arthur Leclerc needs to be more consistently uh, scoring wins and podiums and needs to uh, cut out the mistakes and uh, driver errors that has been going on. You know, crashing with your teammate. You can't be doing that. 
Um, Roman Stanek, again, um, another driver who uh, is very good. And he openly admitted at the start of the year, you know, this is this is his last shot. He has to have a good season. He has to win this in order mm. to progress, or otherwise that's career done. Um, and that's the reality for these young, young drivers. You forget they're having these kind of conversations with themselves and they're so young, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, you know. Um, but unfortunately for Stanek, he's been going down the wrong way down the standings for the last few races. So it's really exciting at the top. Uh, Jack Crawford and Ollie Behrman as well doing decent, decent jobs. I, I really, I rate Jack Crawford a lot. I first met him when I uh, was doing Euro Formula Open uh, in that first race I ever did. And, and he, he did, he signed on for a few seasons of that. He's so mature. Uh, he's got the right passport. He's backed by Red Bull. I, I actually think he could go all the way if he, if he can start to if he, he just needs to go up another level and I then then I think he could go all the way and I think Red Bull might realize that um and then some other people that catch your eye there's so many young uh they're all young but rookies or or you look at um Franco Colapinto or, or Zane Maloney or Kushmini or uh Reese Jima. I've, I've been massively impressed with Reese all season long mm. uh even though his results might not always look amazing on paper you have to take into account he's with a new team he's a rookie Formula 3 is a really difficult championship uh, mm. to get up to speed with it's all about qualifying and understanding the tires um I mean I could go on it, it, it's it's it, I love I love the championship so much because there's always something to talk about you know I have I sometimes more often than not in Friday practice, 45 minutes or 40 minutes, um, I'm on my own. Uh, but I don't mind because I, I can literally, there's always something to chat about. I can chat about every single driver mm. uh, in detail about how this, you know, because I just I just think it's brilliant. Uh, it's more entertaining than Formula One sometimes. Who would you put your money on as being the the one to kind of make it as a, an F1 championship in the current flock of oh. F3 drivers? Oh, that's so difficult. It is. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, Harry. Very difficult. I mean, I didn't even mention Zach O'Sullivan either. He's having a, a, a decent season with, with Carlin. Um, yeah. But uh, oh, it's difficult. I mean, Leclerc's got the surname, but has he quite got the, the 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 speed to go with it? I don't know. I think, well, I think Isaac Hadjar is at the moment in pole position to to, to put himself in the best framework. But, you know, we I think we'll see a couple of drivers filter through to Formula 2 and then the real test starts. It's so difficult to to, to gauge, you know, how they can do in Formula Because look at Dennis Hauger, F3 champion from mm. last year. F2, he's shown great pace, of course, but hasn't quite, you know, he hasn't gone in and done an Oscar Piastri. So no. it hasn't quite converted for him in Formula 2 yet. So who knows? He he might suddenly get jumped by somebody like Hadjar or maybe Victor Martins makes a step up and suddenly flourishes even more so in Formula 2. And then, you know, he puts himself in the limelight. But unfortunately, they also have... I don't think they quite have the right passport either. Um, I hate to say it, but they don't. Uh, there's mm. a, there's now a lot of French youngsters coming through, which is brilliant. But you know, F1 wants an American. F1 <laughs> wants uh, a Brazilian driver. Uh, you know, these are all things that uh, that come into uh, uh, consideration when when you're picking who's going to be in your F1 seat. Sean, have you got a question for Harry? Yeah. So it's not often that we get to speak to someone who in you know, very recent history has commented on all three series, Formula yeah. One, Formula Two, and Formula Three. Um, so congratulations on that. That's absolutely incredible and a very, very rare thing. You kind of already answered this, I suppose, a little bit with your your uh, love of Formula Three, but which is, I, sp- I suppose what I'll say is, which is the hardest to commentate on? Because Formula Three and Formula Two, the racing is just so much closer and there's action from first to 35th. 
or however many drivers happen to be on the grid that day. Formula One, if we're lucky, we'll see more than just the top two. But again, there's a lot more going on in Formula One in the background. You talk about all sorts of stuff. So which for you, having done all three, would you say would be the most difficult to, to commentate on? That's a really difficult question because you've hit the nail on the head. You know, Formula Three is actually a lot more simple because it is just mm. a sprint finish to the line. There's no pit stops to worry about. There's not really any strategy. And there's usually always stuff going on with 30 cars. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at 21st position, you know, it's a fight at least. And when you, but, but when I did F1, for instance, suddenly there's, even though it's maybe a bit easier, there's a lot more pressure suddenly because it's Formula One. It's Formula One. You've, yeah. got, to, you've got to get it right. And particularly coming off the back of Hungary, that was a hard race because you have to, and especially when I'm doing it on the radio as well, because I've got I've got to describe what I'm seeing mm. and convey that to the audience. Um, when it's strategy, that's the main storyline of a race. I'm trying to get my head around the strategy that Ferrari have done. <laughs> and I'm we trying all are. Pretty tough. We all are. <laughs> that's what made it particularly because I'm now thinking and because it's my you know only my third F1 race I'm suddenly thinking right hang on is that a really clever move have I understood this right I need to be able to try and figure out what they're doing and understand it in my head to then convey it um, luckily I had uh, Mark Priestley alongside me who used to be the, the chief McLaren F1 mechanic uh, engineer who knows all that stuff at the back of his hand so we made a good partnership on that one but <laughs> that stuff obviously applies so much more pressure onto you and there's more mm. eyes and ears on formula one so they've both got got difficulties but I, i'd probably say at the moment because i've done more formula three i feel much more at home with formula three now i'd say f1 is is the harder one because there's just that much more pressure on on me i i feel and um, mm. whereas f3 i feel like you know i've done I, i'm missing i I didn't do hungry and i'm missing a, a couple of races but I, the majority of the, the season i've done every race and and i will be back for the finale as well so i feel like I, it's my thing now and i know it because i'm kind of inside out it doesn't feel like this is my first year doing it and i think that maybe hopefully comes across mm. where are you hoping to to take your career uh, are you are you are you hoping to become a lead commentator for F two there next or, or F F one in the future? Is that is that the dream? Is the dream to be you know flying off to all these countries all the time? I'm looking for a nice afternoon slot on Radio Two. <laughs> <laughs> no, nice. um, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I, the goal has always been to, to to work in Formula One as a as a broadcaster, whether that's as a commentator or a pit reporter or a, a presenter or a, a whatever, a social media, whatever. That's a job now. <laughs> I uh, yeah, no, it's a very it's a very hard job. Um, it, is. it you know, I, I, and just just to be able when I go in most weekends and I walk into Formula One headquarters and, and I, I'm there with all the people and I'm sat in the gallery. Or I'm just chatting to people about ideas and I'm having a chinwag and a coffee with Jolie and Palmer. I'm just like, please, Jesus Christ. Like <laughs> this is what, you know, 17 year old Harry could have only dreamed of. And, and yeah. the fact I'm still, even though I'm doing this, I still, I'm still very far off of where I want to be because you know, there, there are the reality side. Of, there's the reality side of it as well. I'm a freelance broadcaster. I've got bills to pay. I've got, you know, I need to be able to have a full year of work and I need to be realistic about what I can get. And there's a lot of competition as well. And there's already some amazing broadcasters out there. Um, So, you know, whether that's a role in Formula 2 or or Formula 1, I don't know. I, 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 it's, I just, it's at the end of the day, it's not up to me, but I would love to, uh, I'd love to be uh, in Formula 1 for for a long old time. 
Um, but equally, if it's another motorsport championship, I'd be just as happy. What's your take? Because um, again, I've mentioned this on podcasts as well. The progression from F3 to F2 to F1. Obviously, F3, you have 30 drivers, sometimes even more, because obviously it changes sometimes mid-season. Then you go to 24 drivers, and then you go to 20. And obviously, even we're seeing now as well, like, conversation is if Felipe Drogovic, who's currently leading in F2, does not get an F1 seat, he is the fourth driver in five years to win Formula 2 and not have an F1, like, first seat. What's your take on... The progression from F3 all the way to F1. The the problem is at the moment compared to the to the past is that drivers are so much younger now, so they're having such long careers. Mm. Um, you know, Lewis Hamilton. I don't think he got to Formula One at twenty one. I think I want to say and 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 three. I think twenty three. So and that yeah, that he was quite a bit older. But but at the time, that's young. Twenty three is young. But now mm. now that's old. You're old, you know, Max Verstappen created a whole new level. And now you've got Russell. Now you've got Leclerc. Now you've got Albon. Uh, you've got even, you know, uh, Stroll is a youngster. All these guys are going to have long, long careers. I can't see them bowing out. Uh, I can't see them being pushed out. But so that's the issue. And that's where the fundamental problem was. There's always, there's never going to be, there's always going to be people who don't make it because that's just the way it works. It's the pinnacle of motorsport and and that's it's not always going to pan out. I think it's a shame that Nick DeVries didn't get a shot. I always mm. I do believe that I do believe that the winner of Formula 2 should get a seat in Formula 1 Absolutely. or at least like a Piastri should get a year of a reserve role mm. with multiple practice things and then in in the eye of getting a, a a race role i think that should be the case i often say to people why can't it be like football where you know that the top team move up and the bottom team go down and and you know and the drivers and the drivers follow I, that would never work in a million no. years. it's so complicated and it just doesn't work in motorsport um but some kind of concept like that would be good wouldn't it yeah uh, four to three i think that the progression is is Pretty good to, to Formula 2, I would say. There's always a, a handful of drivers that, that make their way up to, to Formula 2 um, because Formula 3 is really the sort of uh, the the last rung on the ladder before, you know, 30 drivers, you, you've got to be in, in the top seven to, to really uh, show your stuff and, and to be getting into Formula 2. Um, and then it's hard. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think there is an issue. I, I can't see Felipe Drogovic finding a place on the grid next year. Um, mm. Sadly, mm. I hope a team takes him on and, and he can get some practice drives. But um, I think drivers have got to be more realistic now and go, well, look, if there anything, I think Felipe Drogovic has salvaged a career in motorsport. Um, in terms of he can go off and do sports car racing mm. or he can go and do GT3 racing. Because, these, you know, if he wants, I know Formula One, everyone glitz and glam, it's 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 the pinnacle. You all want to have your, your shot. But ultimately, this tough world. Not everyone's going to get their shot. But if you can forge a, a long career where you're being paid to race, um I think you'll take that as well. And I think that might yeah. be where Djokovic goes, which will be a shame. But, you know, uh, who are you going to kick off the grid? Who realistically yeah. is going to go? Uh, I, um, there's a lot of people who might would kick off the grid. Ooh. Who's realistically going to go? Uh, that's the That'll other. be a fun top 10 to do. Latifi's going to go this year. That's, that's <laughs> what so sorted. Um, but yeah, that's that's my opinion on it. I hope, uh, it looks like Piastri is going to get a seat, and, uh, uh, which is uh, about, uh, overdue. Mm-hmm. So uh, he deserves yeah. that job. 
just to follow on that, do you think maybe removing the rule of if you win F2 or F3, you can't compete the following season? Do you think removing that rule will allow? Because, I mean, I understand and sometimes because they don't want like the championship to be taken away and it'd be kind of be a one-way win team always winning. But with F2 and F3, it changes so much. The standings, like look at the top five for both F2 and F3. It fluctuates and it keeps on changing depending on the sprint race and the feature race as well. Do you think removing that rule of if you win F2, you can't compete in F2 anymore, would that maybe help the longevity of drivers to maybe come into Formula One maybe a little bit later in their career? No, I don't think so. I think if you're winning, you don't want to go back um, because I think it's a backward step. It's a lot of money to then have to go and spend it again for another year in Formula 2 when you've proven what you can do. Take that win. You don't want to win the championship and then come fifth the next year. It's mm. almost like all that hard work's undone, and then and then you kind of lost your your uh, your shop window life in a way. I think you do what Nick DeVries did, and you get you get aligned with a with an F one team, and you go off in another championship, and you win a title, and you try and keep the links, no matter how difficult that might be. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're getting at, but I, I don't think that's going to be uh, the, the 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 solving of the problem there. Um, I think generally that there there is no solve. I think it, it's it's jet or oh, in my, my seats. <laughs> oh, that's the thing. In my I would like to go back. I would like three three new teams on the grid. Uh, like yeah. right back yes. in twenty ten. Yeah. I'd like a, I'd like a at least I'd like competitive teams. I'd like a, a Hispania racing, a Virgin racing, and a Caterham that were all competitive, uh, mm. and that opened their seats to uh, the the at least the top you know five in the f2 championship could get could get a realistic shot at yeah um yeah. so that that's what i would do uh totally agree. That's, that's the only way i can see it working well last word you think also there's maybe a i know obviously you know if you're a racing driver if you're you know in any profession especially like professional sports you want to be competing at the best like if you're a football player nowadays the premier league you want to play for manchester city because they're winning everything you don't want to play for manchester united because they're not but at the same time uh, like do you think there's maybe a conversation that maybe needs to be had that maybe the younger drivers just need to reevaluate a little bit what's actually realistic rather than, oh, I won Formula 2 and now, damn it, I'm not getting into Formula 1. I did all of that for nothing. I have to go to Formula E now. Do you think maybe it just needs to change it? Formula E is a damn good series now. Um, and sports car racing is way better. IndyCar is IndyCar. a hell of a lot better mm. than it used to be. IndyCar is extremely exciting racing. The cars are much better than they used to be. Sports car racing is better than ever. Do you think maybe there just maybe needs to be someone to tell them you might get to Formula One, you likely won't. Have a look at like what's what else is out there because there's a plenty out there. Just the, the myopic view of Formula One might be you know ruining very long, otherwise very long careers for some young drivers. Yeah, I I I wonder if. There is already somebody telling them that, but young drivers are are resolute and and you know they are athletes mm. are are built different to to us regular people, um, and <laughs> they only want the best of the best. But I do think more and more are now seeing a path elsewhere because you you mentioned IndyCar. Look at Christian Lungard, Callum Eilert, you know, enjoying career renaissances there. Uh, look at uh, as you say, sports cars becoming really attractive now with the yeah. high car and uh, and and all the manufacturers joining. You know that's a real uh, top top thing to to get involved with. If I was a racing driver, I would like to think right, okay, yeah, I'd love to get the chance for Formula One, but you know, unless there's an obvious seat, I'll I'll focus on sports cars or I'll try and get a decent F Formula E seat. You know. 
Um, I mean, you look at like Nick DeVries, like you said. I mean, he came up through the McLaren ranks. I don't know how many of you remember him was actually in their silly tuned cartoon back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember that vividly. Um, that was a great show. Um, and then obviously with Mercedes, Toto Wolff said, we'll get him a seat, we'll get him a seat, we'll get him a seat. We won't get him a seat, send him to FE. And he went and dominated FE. Stoffel van Dorm, another McLaren driver who was tossed out the door, has just won the championship like this week, didn't he? A couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and both of them have ranted and raved about how good Formula E is, not for just for, as they're racing, but for their careers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Formula E is, is certainly becoming. Uh, I, there was a time where it was becoming a bit of a, an F one veteran uh, uh, sort of playground, but I think that it's now carved itself out as a viable option for for these young drivers because you know they're not having to pay fortunes and millions to get into these seats either. They can mm-hmm. be paid drivers. Um, and that's the thing. Uh, but Formula One will always be Formula One, and there will always be yep. uh, it will always be the goal for for all of these drivers. You know, they mm. go to bed wanting to be Formula One world champions one day. But until you get there, you you got to be realistic. I think at the end of the day. Um, but it's tough. You know, here we are sitting about it. I've I've never driven a Formula single seater car, so what, <laughs> what can I say? All I can say is I want. I know I want the I want the winner of F two to get shot in F one. I think that's the least they deserve. Absolutely. Agreed. And on that note, we should call this interview over. You know, it's been a good chat. It's been a a good conversation. Thanks for coming to talk to us today. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to the rest of the season. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Do you want to plug your own kind of socials as well while you're here so our fans can go and follow you if they aren't already? If you aren't already, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm at I'm Harry Benjamin on on pretty much everything. So yeah, I'm on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. So uh, down with all the kids. So uh, <laughs> be real, I'm on that as well. So find me on there. So uh, hit me up on that. And are we going to see you on another F1 race this year, or is or is the three done and dusted? Or do you think is it? Influence? I don't know. I've at the moment uh, no plans, but uh, never say never. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. We hope so. And, and we look forward to watching your career uh, continue just going from strength to strength. It's been you know fantastic seeing you pop up in all these different places. Uh, so thank you very much for popping up on uh, our podcast too. Thank you so much. We are Everything F1. You can find us on our social platforms at the handle at Join EF1. And of course, on the podcast streaming services, hit the bell, follow, subscribe. Uh, make sure you get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. And of course, visit our website, www.everythingf1.com for all of our latest news stories. Nice. I've been James Tiller. We've had alongside us today, Sophia and Sean. Thanks for coming to speak to us today. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, um, Harry. Great to meet you. Thank you again to Harry. Pop and speak to us next week where <laughs> sure. we preview the Grand Prix in Spa. I look forward to speaking to you soon. All right. Thank you very, very much. Bye-bye.